Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. Today we tackle Triple X, Return of Xander Cage, which is the third film in the Triple X franchise. A quick heads up, we've seen all the films. There'll probably be some spoilers for all three films because as a result of having to watch this film, uh, Lloyd has actually committed himself and watched all three. You'd never seen any of them, Lloyd, had no, you? No, I, I watched the Triple X trilogy all this week and I have to say it felt like I was getting dumber as I was watching the series. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. Well, I mean, I saw the first one in cinemas because I was working at the cinema at the time and it was just the thing to do. Triple X 2 I saw on TV and I found it had exhaustive CGI and I hated it. Oh gosh, the train, the bullet train sequence. Yes. That's when the film lost it. I was like, oh, this is getting too much. I mean, as well, Ice Cube isn't really as credible coming second best to Vin Diesel. I thought this was a real like washed out kind of version of the, the first one. Uh, but now here we are at the third one, Lloyd, so why don't you jump in? Um, I uh, I really struggled with a lot of the Triple X movies. I thought the first one had a fantastic first 15, 20 minutes, amazing stunts, and it was really fun and funny. I, like, I really love the scene when Danny Trejo comes in and they all think it's a joke and they're laughing at him. And, the, and Xander's a really cool character. I love it how he goes back and tries to save one of the wounded soldiers in that uh Colombian drug compound scene. It was really, really well done. Uh, And I personally really like Vin Diesel. Both you and I, Dave, have grown up with him, so we're big fans of his uh, of his movies. And go check out our Fast and the Furious Seven podcast. We go on and on about him, and you know, growing up with the Fast and Furious franchise and Triple X franchise, I guess. Uh, I thought the first. Triple X got caught up with the complexity of the spy plotting mechanic too much and it it just took itself a bit too serious and it took away a lot of the fun and I was struggling through most of that film and I thought they could have um, lost a lot of the plot and basically just simplify it because it's basically just James Bond on a skateboard and Triple X2, the State of the Union, again, amazing opening, a really spectacular action scene where the Triple X compound is attacked and you, you have a great villain there with William Defoe and Samuel Jackson is great in everything, I think. And I thought the hip-hop style with Ice Cube was really interesting. I love his brute force assault, that down and dirty street attitude. But again, and like you said, Dave, the last 20 minutes, particularly with that bullet train sequence, it was a CGI mess, just like the issues we had with Fast and the Furious 4, where they're um, racing in that cave. It just looked like a really, really bad video game. Um, with Triple X, The Return of Xander Cage, Vin Diesel reprises his role again, and he's teamed up with director DJ Caruso. Um, he's directed, um, I think he did Disturbia, um, Eagle Eye, and so forth. Um, yep. I thought his level really came up with this film, actually. And they basically take the Fast and the Furious engine and make an all-out action film. And although I think Triple X3 is a really dumb 
movie, I feel like it's aware that it's really over the top and this movie just wants to take the audience for a ride. And for me, they almost pulled it off. I love the Fast and the Furious team. I think Justin Lin did an amazing job taking a B-grade street racing movie and turning it into a billion-dollar action franchise. And I think they almost pulled it off with Return of Xander Cage. For, I'd say, 70% of this of this film, I was having a lot of fun. I gotta say, first of all, uh, the IMDb description, which is all wrong, says Xander Cage is left for dead after an incident, though he secretly returns to action for a new tough assignment with his handler, Augustus Gibbons. What? <laughs> so I don't know what that where that's from. It makes me feel like the whole film had rewrites and and that that was the original concept, and that. You know, then Augustus Gibbons, played by Samuel Jackson, was seriously written out because he was unavailable because of Avengers or whatever Sam Jackson was doing. And then they were like, oh, well, we'll kill him off. And, uh, oh, has anybody seen The Winter Soldier? Because that plot where he is dead and then fakes his own death yeah, is yeah. kind of identical. Is he wearing an eye patch at the end? Yeah, he kind of... <laughs> May as well be the same character. It's, how dare they reference the <laughs> Avengers in the opening of the movie? <laughs> and they also reference Suicide Squad-like introductions oh, to they each do, of the team. <laughs> Wasn't that frustrating? Um, okay, I want to unpack one of them. Let's talk about Augustus Gibbons, who came up with the Triple X program because of skateboards and swimming pools, Dogtown and the Z-Boys. It's a movie. Uh, it says in his bio, he single-handedly stopped World War Three. What the hell do you think that means? Oh, like, well, I don't know. Many implications of spy movies, they especially the Cold War era, like James Bond and so forth. Yeah, there's many missions where they could have stopped two governments fighting each other, you know, <laughs> I guess <laughs> because so. of a secret mission. So he's probably done it many times, the implication. I felt like in that opening sequence, you know, the other guy who's a soccer player, he's a real soccer player, Neymar, an active recruit, it says, scored 100 goals by age 20, which is, you know, possibly true. I don't really follow soccer. Uh, I just don't understand how a soccer player makes for a good agent. Yeah, I, I, the one example we saw, he's able to kick with great accuracy um, anything and turn it into a projectile. And I don't know if they can, because Triple X is basically James Bond on the skateboard. And then Triple X 2, that agent was just more. I guess Rambo. Uh, they went street back smart. To, sure, street smart. Sorry, yeah, that you're right. And uh, the, I guess with the idea of that soccer play, if there was to be a movie based around that character, he could kick anything. Sounds really <laughs> lame to me. <laughs> and I think at the end, he was just his driver. Like <laughs> he was just. He thought he was being recruited for the Avengers, <laughs> which is a nice in joke because he's obviously Nick Fury as well. But. Yeah, I don't understand so much of his pitch as well. He says things like, we're not at war, we're at peril. That's why Triple X. And it's like, what? Okay, we're at peril? Are we? <laughs> I just don't understand the soccer player elements, like he's going to kick something at every bad guy. And I really thought when that satellite came down and Gibbons was, inverted commas, dead, that Xander Cage would be the boss. That for some reason there was a clause or a setup that the first Triple X or the you know, most whatever recruit, you know, would be brought back and made the boss of the program. Because in all the trailers and TV spots, he says that line where he goes, now here's a team I can get behind or work with or whatever. 
which made me think he recruited the team, which he sort of does. But he's not really the boss. You know, the satellite crashes on purpose. I guess someone hijacks it and kills Gibbons. But even then, they fail. And it's like this plot of swinging down satellites and targeting things is crazy. D- don't satellites burn up on re-entry anyway? So there'd be very little of it left mm. as they come. I don't know. I don't know the technical side too much. But yeah, and I'd, I'd, I'd be curious if there were that many satellites floating around the Earth. Like, it's I've, probably true. Yeah. Well, there's probably a ton up there. But, you know, targeting them, it feels like you would just shoot them out of the sky with a missile. Yeah. Wouldn't you? If you saw some object... You'd have time as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, that seems like the time saver. Yeah, well, well like... he was able to crash in a huge aeroplane oh my into gosh. it and take it out. So I'm assuming a missile of some sort could definitely take it out as well. I want to get to the end of the film eventually, Lloyd, but that plane took 100 years to crash. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the pilot falls on the controls and it's suddenly spiralling towards the Earth. They must have been at the highest altitude ever. <laughs> anyway, I didn't know what Tony Collette was doing here. I really felt like she was collecting a paycheck being in this film. Yeah, she's, like Samuel Jackson, an elite-level actor, so, you know, in a really B-grade um, action film. It's pretty hilarious seeing them act alongside. Like, they just dominate the screen, and I think they, they know what kind of movie they're in, and they're doing their best, you know, to accommodate the level that they're they're doing, I guess. It wasn't that I really hated this film. I just kept thinking, oh, that's kind of stupid, like you're... Uh, I kept feeling stupid, stupider watching each oh, one yeah, of the films. I, I felt like I was getting dumber. <laughs> so, all right, let's rank the films. Which is the best to worst uh, in the series? I'd go um, the third one, Return of Xander Cage, is easily the best one. And then I would probably put the first one just because of the spectacular first 20 minutes and then the worst one being the third one. But again, I, I don't think these are that bad. They're just like uh, it, it, they're, they're self-aware enough that they're, you know, extreme James Bond action film, so to speak. See, I really compare this triple X to the first one because there's so much overlap. I feel like he repeats the same lines. It's less original for me. Are you sure you're not getting confused with Fast and Furious? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm just thinking of triple X in a more nostalgic way. I mean, it was, what, 15 years ago or something stupid. Maybe in my memory, it's a better film than it was, but maybe (laughs) this one frustrated me more. I guess I just think as well, like, Vin Diesel's probably getting too old to be Yeah, he's doing 49 this. now, isn't he? Yeah. And, like, looking silly in that kind of puffy fur jacket. <laughs> you know, and he's some of old. the lines he has to pull off. Like, my audience loved it. I found some of it so cringeworthy. I was like, oh, I can't believe they're getting away with this. Like, do you buy that he's so extreme and gnarly? (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you're not with it when he starts skiing in the jungle, you you might as well walk out of the movie because it lets you know pretty quickly what kind of movie you're getting yourself into. Yeah, he's a real outlaw stealing the um, the soccer match. (laughs) He he has a fantastic team. Um, That's one of the big things I loved about Fast and the Furious. It it utilises the strength of many cultures. Uh, It's obviously a ploy to expand their market and get as large an audience as possible. Agreed, yeah. (laughs) But I felt they actually utilise them really well. Like I love it how Donnie Yen playing Zhang is a high-level triple X agent himself. And 
they want to use Pandora's box, like he specifically wants to use Pandora's box against um, their enemy. So maybe the um, corrupt government, like he, in the end, he turns out to be a pretty good guy. Like his his motives are just, I think. And Depeka Padrone, the um, uh, I guess a Bollywood star, uh, yeah. played by the stunning Serena Unger, uh, is after the weapon to destroy it. She believes it shouldn't be in anyone's hands. And of course, Xander Cage. He might just be a victim of manipulation. And yes, a lot of them are there to exploit the markets and viewership, but the film, I think, utilised each of the culture's styles and strengths, whether that be the combat with Michael Bisbing of England, a champion MMA fighter, or the music with Chris Wu of China slash Canada as the hood. He actually doesn't do much other than play the DJ. Like I'm assuming, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming he's got some martial arts moves that we didn't really get to see deep details of. And the fact that the movie is utilizing all these cultures against a corrupt government is a really interesting, not to go too deep into this, but it's a real interesting look at, at the world in this current time of the Trump era. Like, you know, the world coming together, utilizing all these cultures, converging on a corrupt government with um, what Tony Collette ended up being, really. Well, she was just following orders, if you think yeah, about it. Yeah, exactly. And th- th- that made me think, wow, all those innocent soldiers that die that probably had families, you know, they're the government's best crafted people and they're just killing them down left, right and centre, these triple X agents. So it's hard not to sympathise with the government going, okay, these guys are going rogue, killing all these soldiers. <laughs> We've got to stop them. Those shots of like Ruby Rose back to back with Topeka... Padukone? Padukone? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, they're back to back and they're both shooting guns and like there was such sort of trailer candy. Oh, yeah. You know, like that whole sequence was, they weren't really covering each other at times. They were just turning to camera like now you face the camera, now you face the camera because there were people in the background who weren't shooting at them but were just kind of running and they didn't need to shoot those people. Like it was just, yeah, they cut as a, as appropriate. Um, oh, there there were so many dumb moments for me in this film. Uh, a lot which I didn't understand. Like <laughs> when uh, Xander Cage goes to England to see a computer ac- hacker who was yeah. like a ten out of ten girl with assistants who are all Victoria's Secret models, and she, <laughs> I, I maybe you can explain this. She doesn't want to sleep with him, but her assistants do. I didn't understand yeah. what the hell was going on there. Just some of the dialogue in this movie just threw me. I was kind of reacting the same way Vin Diesel was himself to Becky, who's played by Nina Deprev. Like uh, this 49-year-old guy just not getting what these new millennials are saying. The, the, the scene in London where he basically heads there to find a ghost hunter and possibly my fur coat, he basically sleeps with a harem of women and says the line, the things I'm going to do for my country, which is from the first film. In the first film, he was going to sleep with some woman who was, like, dancing on the edge of his bed in lingerie. And in this one, it's just a ton of women who, they're actually technically, Lloyd, frisking him for, uh, you know, a tracking device or a listening device. And that's what she's having them check for, which is ridiculous. (laughs) And they're all brilliant computer hackers, is that right? It is It is unclear. It just, maybe they're all her roommates. Like, <laughs> it didn't make any sense. And it was really just there so there were more chicks in the movie. The same reason they went to, um, you know, the club. and In the Philippines? Hood, 
Yeah, in the Philippines. You've got to love the fact the Philippines is in yeah, this, right? Yeah, it didn't, didn't look like the Philippines. It looked like some studio club with ridiculously beautiful girls <laughs> when it really should have been a poor island with poor fishermen, com- fishing community trying to survive. <laughs> look, Believe me, I've been there. <laughs> it's interesting and easily compared to the Fast and the Furious because they're trying to do exactly the same thing with this franchise. Absolutely. So Vin Diesel comes back, same as Fast and the Furious. They reinvigorate the franchise with fresh blood, Ruby Rose, Tony Jaa, Nina Dobrev, whomever. And you bring in the old favourites, you know, like Ice Cube represents in this film, you know, the fact the people from Too Fast, Too Furious, that's the film which Vin Diesel wasn't in. This is the exact sort of thing they want is like momentum now. They want to see Triple X4, which is why they set up at the end like that they're now outlaws and you can have somebody hunting them, exactly like The Rock was hunting them in Fast Five. It was all sort of setups and setups and setups trying to make this the most kind of franchisey thing I've ever seen. Like, uh, going to London, no reason. They go to London in Fast and Furious, why not? Going to Philippines, sure. I mean, they went to Brazil in Fast Five. You know, it's just it's just changing up the same sort of ingredients. You've got a bunch of chicks in Fast and Furious, let's put a bunch of chicks in Triple X, you know? They're just, they're just trying to do exactly the same thing because it worked. And now Fast and the Furious is a billion-dollar franchise. But this is just has one of the people from Fast and Furious in it. Like, Vin Diesel happens to play Xander Cage in a film that, you know, Triple X maybe shouldn't have been as successful as it was because the concept, as you say, is just James Bond on a surfboard skateboard. Yeah, I think... I don't think they've reignited this series purely based on the success of the previous Triple X films. But from what I understand, it's not that... They're not that successful of a franchise to merit you know, the, such a huge reboot. I think it's because Vin Diesel has just been so successful in the last couple of years and he, he himself has went out of his way to to reinvent this. It's something that's you know, can be a sequel, so you've got a guaranteed audience there. And it's like, we've got this formula. And it, th- this film is like the Marvel movie, you know, and I, I want to talk a bit about that with the action scenes and the characters they use and the fight choreography and everything like that. But... It feels like they're trying to get that cookie cutter that the Marvel Marvel films have got. And I don't want to put down the Marvel films here, but what I'm saying is they're trying to get a successful recipe that they can employ to make many sequels, just like what they did with the phenomenal success of Fast and the Furious. And I don't have the exact figures. Like what I'm looking at is box office here. It's um, it's estimated budget of 85 million opening weekend. It got 20 million. Its total gross just in the USA is 41 million. So I think it's still being released in Asia, the Asian countries in Europe and so forth. So it probably will be a big hit because of the inclusion of all these um, uh, other cultural actors from those countries, like say of India with the Bollywood actress and China with what's his name, uh, uh, Donnie Tony Yen. Cha. Yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> Pick or one. Donnie Yen. Yeah. <laughs> Pick one. <laughs> so it, this film could be as big as Fast and the Furious. I don't think it will be, but if say they do want to follow it up it looks like they got a pretty good basis to go to, to go onwards with. And as well, Ruby Rose and Tony Collette are the Australian audience yes. right there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you think it worked in Australia, though? Um, probably not. I mean, this is an action film. Fans of action films. I mean, like yourself, you love action I films. I love action films, yeah. And i, I got to say, 
I think the action scenes were awesome. I just found some some of the composition fell too much in the shaky cam realm, yeah. like too close to the subject, and sometimes I couldn't work out where where it was going. Um, the part where they were t- uh, taking the dirt bikes on the ocean. Uh, that was just stupid. Like, not not the idea of it. Well, the idea is pretty stupid, but just the, the execution. The execution. It looks so bad, like all green screen, Dave. I'm sure they shot a lot of practicals for it, but the merger with the green screen and special effects just blew it for me. It looked so silly. But I, I really enjoyed how they employed a great variety of action in this movie from breaking into the government agency at the beginning of the film. The, the um, I think the... Um, action scene in the beach in the Philippines was actually pretty good despite all the shaky cam and I loved it how they were throwing grenades at each other there that, that was really tense I, I like that the freeway chase sequence was awesome and when there were um, in zero gravity in the airplane although you're right they just kept falling forever that was just really interesting how you got that variety of action um, all throughout there I didn't get one thing in the Philippines maybe you can explain it to me who the hell were the Russian guys that that bus that gate crashed the party i don't know yeah who cares (laughs) (laughs) some group after the pandora's box i i didn't understand what was happening there i didn't love the name pandora's box either like uh, i would have preferred i don't know some kind of code word or i don't know pandora's box felt used like it had been done before oh yeah uh donnie yen when he does his intro right obviously rogue one last time we spoke about donnie yen his plan is just smash into the room and shoot the place up. Yeah. <laughs> which is a crazy plan. Like, and he has all these other extreme guys and he just goes in by himself. I know that is designed to make him look tough and to give us that footage where the one guy doesn't flinch. But in retrospect, I think it was a really dumb idea. Well, what about the, the excuse? Like, there was one guard out there with a bike for some reason and he gets taken out by the other Asian guy or with a ninja yeah. kick to the chest. I was just like, okay, why is there one guard out there with a bike? Was, is this just an excuse to show off his... Oh, it is. <laughs> yep, pretty much. And her, uh, Becky, played by Nina Dobrev, she has a built-in audience as well. She'll bring some people to this film. What's she from? I think it's Vampire Diaries. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a very good-looking girl. They obviously went... Uh, re- they replacing the late Michael Roof there, and they're obviously going for a really sexy and funny cue, basically. Yeah, 135 episodes of The Vampire Diaries. we so got to get those millennials in. Yeah, got to get them in. <laughs> in the bit where she she says, oh my gosh, Xander Cage, um, I was there with Coachella when Guns N' Roses reformed, but this is better. Then immediately she says, I wasn't there, Yeah, but I heard it happened. I was like, what? Just pick something you were there for. And this is her first impression, you know. I'm fine with all the, you're like the Terminator, that's my safe word is kumquat, that stuff's funny. You know, the fact that she can get him drugs is funny. But that Guns N' Roses story really threw me. (laughs) (laughs) Felt like that should have been cut. How do you think she went replacing uh, Michael Roof? I mean, if you're going to target kind of a teenage boy crowd, putting a cute girl with glasses is a good move yeah i thought i thought she did a great job she was funny and she seemed like she was handling the technical stuff uh, I, I liked uh, like adequately i liked her banter with ruby rose and i thought um to that point ruby rose was one of the best um things about this movie no she she competently held her own i think ruby rose and i haven't watched orange is the new black uh the season that she's in yet i've seen the first two seasons she's in the third season so uh eventually i will get to that and um suss out her acting a little more the red bull freak show 
is not a good nickname for Triple X. They're like jacked up soldiers. Uh, sorry, the soldiers say, uh, we're not all jacked up on Red Bull and Mountain Dew, you asshole. <laughs> Did those drink companies pay for such nice name drops? And they're, they're special soldiers, right? But their awareness is shithouse. I mean, he's able to like walk around, tie them to, <laughs> like clip them to um, like the, you know, pack and whatever in the, the plane. supply pack, yeah, whatever it Before is. he ejects them. And then the <laughs> same thing happens with Tony Collette. So their training is like ordinary <laughs> they're, they're the best Dave I also had a problem with Ruby Rose's uh, introduction Suicide Squad style introduction where it says unofficial world record holder for most broken bones so she broke her own bones yeah. the most time, so she's right? brittle she's brittle as she's like in Unbreakable she's uh, <laughs> she's the Samuel Jackson of this movie from Unbreakable well so, I, she is a range fighter though she relies much more on sniping and, and stuff like that I don't we do see examples of her in close combat I think in the last action scene um, but yeah mainly relying on range weapons that's what I gathered so if she relies on sniper rifles and range weapons how is she breaking all these bones? <laughs> well, I guess she has to now because of the broken bones. <laughs> now she does. So previously she was some hand-to-hand -hand fighter. Yeah. So that means she sucked. Because <laughs> every time she fought, <laughs> somebody broke her bones. Vin Diesel um, said, uh, I like one of the lines in the first Triple X movie that uh, when he holds the gun and the, the assistant, I think it was Michael Roof, says, oh, you, you know how to use this? And he goes, oh, well, my cast was, I had my leg in a cast for three months. I got really good at Call of Duty. And mm. obviously over the years as Triple X, I, I, I have read that he was killed in, in between Triple X 1 and Triple X 2, but obviously no one actually dies in these movies, much like the Marvel films. Um, he's gotten really good at combat. <laughs> uh, last one I'll pick on, the last Suicide Squad text I'll pick on, is The Hood. And like you say, I don't know why they need a DJ. That's the most laughable thing about the film. It's like, it reminded me of the soccer player, and I was like, what would they do with the soccer player? What would they do with this DJ? Like, they're picking people... Who I don't know if they're that extreme, but um, the hood it says dated Taylor Swift and Lady Gaga in the same night, which I'm thinking means fucked, right? They yeah. can't say fucked Taylor Swift and Lady Gaga because then they've got a lawsuit. So uh, unless, or well, maybe he went on some kind of like hijinks inspired double date where he went back and forth from two restaurants, uh, <laughs> like a sitcom, and he you know he said ah I really like your song Shake It Off, and then like Lady Gaga was like. I never wrote that song. And he's like, whoops, <laughs> got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> What's his practical implementations? Uh, I, I, like, the idea is he's a party animal, so I guess that would help him infiltrate if they were going to... Blend in? Yeah, blend in. And we, which it does, to, to be fair. Like, he does get the, you know, on the DJ machine and he's able to cause a ruckus or whatever so i guess sort of <laughs> yeah why would xander cage elect like he could have anyone in the world he elects these people and you know so i guess you know it's it's to help him inf infiltrate the uh, opposition <laughs> yeah then, hood yeah hood does some dj work thank goodness he's on the team you know <laughs> Was there no DJ there before? I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> uh, the best thing I think this movie did was that it made the villains the good guys. And I personally love that twist where they were fighting each other 
to begin with and then they started to team up as they realized they were both on the same side. I thought that was an absolutely fantastic idea. I love seeing this team work together and there are so many styles, so many opportunities for comedy and action and I loved it. I couldn't wait to see what would happen. I think this is a theme in a lot of Vin Diesel movies, which I really liked, where people end up working together. We see it in the Riddick film, the third one. I don't know if you saw that. I don't want to spoil the twist at the end, but it was really... No, I haven't seen it. I'm not sure that I will, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> and we see that all throughout the Fast and the Furious franchise where enemies become allies, and I'm sure that's going to be the case just judging from the trailers for Fast and the Furious 8. So, yeah, but I don't think the movie exploited the comedy as much. Like, there, there, could, there, there were so many opportunities, like these polar opposites people like they were fighting each other and then they're coming together for a common cause i think a, cl- a much cleverer script writer could have really eked out more funny moments with these with these characters because this is a pretty good team i thought just running through them michael bisbing uh i'm such a huge mma fan so seeing him i was so nervous seeing him in this movie but i thought he did a fantastic job just this english guy who's very good at hand-to-hand combat skills nina Deprev replaces Michael Roof, as we talked about, as the Q person. Pika Padrone, the sexy, awesome Indian girl who was paired up with Australia's Ruby Rose. As you said, there was some interesting choreography there where they were firing um, side by side. I actually thought that sequence was pretty dumb. (laughs) Uh, Chris Wu, Tony Jaa and Donnie Yen all brought their styles to the roles, which makes Triple X stand out um, to your typical Hollywood film, I think. And they almost pull this movie off. They're, they're almost there. I think they just fell too much into the Marvel Avengers territory where no one can die. And that really annoyed me, Dave. The problem with Triple X, The Return of Xander Cage, is that the team are too powerful. And Jane Mark, um, you know, Tony, who Tony Collette plays, and her team, the, the Super Soldiers, don't stand a chance chance against any of these triple x agents even a satellite falling on top of samuel jackson can't kill him it's so ridiculous i do like it how donnie yen gets wounded so does uh that character torch i think played by rory mccann the hound in uh, game of thrones for the game of thrones fans i thought torch and chris Wu needed to die in that climactic battle to give the film more emotion and i thought by not having a death, it took away too much from the effectiveness of the villains and by doing so, taking away from the drama. But I think they're almost there. They're, don't get me wrong. This is a really mind-numbingly dumb film, <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I think um, this film gets ruined by the trailers. Um, I, did, you said, I think you I said, yeah, I did see the trailers, yeah. You said you really liked the Donnie Yen and Vin Diesel team up, you know, Xander and Zhang joining forces in the third act. Problem was, the I go high, you go low line was in the trailer. So you know they're going to be on the same team at some point. Apparently, in one trailer, though I didn't see this one, or TV spot, Ice Cube appears, which should really be... Oh, they shouldn't have done that. That was a complete surprise for me. Yeah, for me as well. And I hadn't seen the trailer or whatever where that happens, but apparently that was leaked and that was available for people on TV or whatever. And the, um, the explosion in the plane where he jumps and he does his final kind of free fall was in the trailer. So you're kind of waiting for the third act, which isn't sacred at all to the marketing. They butchered the marketing. You know, there were so many moments that were 
I suppose, taken away if you remember the trailer at all. Yeah, so I guess the motorbike surfing was one of the dumbest things for me. But I have a question for you, maybe see if you can answer this. There's a scene where they pursue Donnie Yen and he runs over the traffic and he jumps from the top of car to top of car. And the only line that he says is, you break up my party, steal my dance partner, you know, because uh, Serena has now joined Vin Diesel's team, Xander's team. Uh, he says, this ain't a party, it's a race, and they're chasing each other. But what is happening? Because I thought they were after the CIA boss Yeah, it took point. me ages to figure out what was going on there. Like, uh, I didn't realise they were chasing, it was a race to get to Pandora's box first. Is it? Is that what it I, was? I think it was. Because, I, yeah, I, I was really confused at that moment. I was like, are, are they fighting each other? Why are they running away from each other? And then I went, oh, they're, they're racing to get to Pandora's box. And it wasn't until they hit the st- uh, stairwell that Donnie Yen and um, Xander Cage really team up just to stop that one shooter that was above them. Yeah, I was confused because they were chasing each other, it seemed like. And I was assuming they would be pursuing the CIA boss at that point. Uh, I found the grenade at the table scene frustrating, probably because of the uh, of the uh, two grenades, three people, I'm loving these odds. And I was thinking, it's a pretty small table. If one of you, <laughs> if it does explode, you're all going to get killed. Like, you're not doing this right. I guess this was $85 million on screen. You know, there was enough sort of special effects and everything to keep it going. But, you know, I just, I don't know why they didn't shut the XXX program down at times. And when Tony Collette pulls a gun on Xander, she's like the worst element of surprise ever. She gets told on the phone, hey, kill them. You know, she could say, that was great. I really appreciate your help. Come over here. I want to show you some bang, you know? Why didn't, why didn't she put a bullet in his head to make sure that he was dead? Yeah, that too, you know? I, was, I mean, I like Tony Char. He played like the uh, Dance Dance Revolution guy, for those who don't know who he is who Ruby Rose makes fun of. And um, he was also in Fast and Furious, and he played one of the random villains who, in that scene where Paul Walker almost goes off the edge uh, in that bus, I think it was a bus or a van, he gets left in there, and Tony Jar's the guy that kind of locks him in there. Um, and he's he's a quick, good fighter. and Yeah, he's from the On Buck series, isn't he? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, I've always thought he was pretty great, so it was, it was just good to see him in this, I guess. Did you... Like, appreciate the fact that they blended the two films with Ice Cube because, as you say, you didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. Dial Nine for Ice Cube. Yeah, no, that was that was a lot of fun. He cut, like at the at the lowest point, uh, it would have been more effective if somebody was died in that scene as well. But the, the lowest point of the team when they were being overrun by all those soldiers, Ice Cube just comes in with his brute force mentality and just fires <laughs> his massive uh, uh, hand grenade grenade launcher or something like that i'm not sure what kind of weapon he was firing and yeah no that was a that would have got the audience cheering for sure i guess the whole gibbons not being dead thing for me he's going to be in exactly that much of any triple x film from now on he'll be in two scenes there's no way he's committing to this franchise for long and for much more than a paycheck much more than a setup i really felt like in this theme of the film in the plot of the film why did he fake his own death to bring Triple X out of hiding? Yeah, it seems like it was all according to plan at the yeah. end. You know, oh, this was my plan the whole time. So your plan was... This was your plan? Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't he just have reappeared to Triple X, pushed him back into the field for some reason, and then appeared at the end and said, good work, without yeah. any of that? Yeah, without the elaborate, yeah. 
But I guess you have to have that idea that they're all uniting to avenge the death of Samuel Jackson Augustus's uh, character. But I never got the impression that they were all that good friends with him, especially with how Triple X One ended. It, I just didn't get unless there's more to it than that. There's something between one and two, but I just never got the impression that they were that close. Yeah, and I mean, you almost don't need that first scene with the um. The thing, uh, satellite falling out and killing him. You could just have Tony Collette arrive and say he's dead. With that test at the beginning, you know, they test him the same way he gets tested in the first film. And he knows it's a test because he's so observant. I just found it very frustrating that that was the plan. And again, so many shades of Winter Soldier and uh, of Nick Fury, really. And I mean, just to finish this up, I never liked the fact that Xander Cage has Triple X tattooed on the back of his neck. And he happened to join the Triple X program. It really feels too much on the nose. Because <laughs> he has that tattoo in the first film at the beginning. Yeah, it's he pretty ridiculous. <laughs> he doesn't know he's going to join a program called Triple X. It's unrelated. It's just branding. And like you say, um, I hope it's a, a good multicultural move, you know, casting diversity. But I feel like as well it's to get the other markets and that they've had to think about everything from a Hollywood point of view. And for me, I rank the films uh, one, because I'm more nostalgic and haven't watched it since, and then three, then two, far behind. <laughs> Do you think they're going to make sequels? I assume so. I assume this will make enough money that even if it's straight to video, you could do Triple X 4 with, you know, not Nick Nolte, but who have we got? Some other action film star. It just seems like they've set up so many people for them not to go ahead mm. with making a sequel. Um, and you only have to get a few people back for it to be linked to the same universe. So, so how many franchises does that make for Vin Diesel? Fast and the Furious. Uh, Guardians X, of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. And uh, is, he, is he in Guardians of the Galaxy too? Yeah, yeah, he's Groot. I mean, I mean they probably mess with his voice because he's baby Groot. Um, Riddick, did you say Riddick? And, and Riddick, of course. Um, and is that Witch Hunter? Are they going to make something out of that? I mean, I have no idea. I haven't seen that either. I'm pretty curious about it, but it just seems like something that they could franchise. Nothing against um, Vin Diesel. I, th I think he's doing really well. Like, that's very impressive. I mean, I guess you could say he's going to be in Avengers because the Guardians of the Galaxy are, are, are appearing in Avengers, so he's kind of in that franchise too. I thought he was done uh, after the pacifier. Wow. Yeah, I thought, <laughs> oh, that's the end of uh, Vin Diesel, you know. <laughs> Knock Around Guys wasn't great either back in the day but um yeah look he's he's obviously in a nice purple patch he's doing well and the fact that they're doing 10 fast and furious films i'm sure we'll cover them all on this podcast people can stick around tune in action films continue here on pod me if you can next week we're going to do an interview that i've um pre-recorded with uh tiffany de bartolo she's a writer director uh, who made a film called Dream for an Insomniac with um, Jennifer Aniston back in the day, and then she never wrote or directed anything else. So I was really curious, and I caught up with her for um, a bit of an explanation, really. Uh, I was interested about her time in Hollywood and her influences and the fact that she uh, worked on Four Rooms, which was a Rodriguez Tar Tarantino film, and that was kind of her film school, as I learned, uh, so that'll be next week, but then action films continue as we're going to finally review Assassin's Creed Lloyd. Can't wait. They'll uh, bring our video game series full circle. That's right. We did uh, a whole month of video game adaptations to film uh, last year, I believe. Anyway, you can find all of Video Game Month and all our back catalogue of podcasts at podmeifyoucan.com. There's a search tab on the website there and just type it in, see if we've done it. 
see if there's something similar. And uh, yeah, look, you can always give us requests and um, I'm sure the next action film we'll be doing, because it seems to be a bit of a, a nice patch of action films at the moment, is going to be Logan. Early March here in Australia, we're going to see the final outing for, for Hugh Jackman, Lloyd. And do you want to speculate as to what do you think that's going to be like? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Like, I, I don't think the Wolverine movies have been that good for me, but I really do, do like Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. So I'm just hoping for a good movie here because it hasn't been a great track record for that character at all. Um, in my opinion, but it's one of those weird things like Pierce Brosnan is a great James Bond. His films, other than Goldeneye, just sucked, um, you know, and I feel kind of the same way with Hugh Jackman. He's a great Wolverine, and not, I really liked Fu- uh, Days of Future Past. I think that was excellent. X-Men 2, uh, X-Men 3 was abysmal. You know, it's it's been a mixed bag, but the standalone movies for Wolverine haven't been great at all. That's right. We did cover the last Wolverine film where he's in Japan, so you guys can listen to that one as well if you like. Until next time, we will uh, talk to you then on Pod Me If You Can. Hit it. For listening, please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Pod me if you can. Movie reviews. 